Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outdoor Hebrides. I'm Ian McKinnon. This is the WinFL Show and I am joined by Dave Somerville. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just off the back of a great dinner that I had. Had some uh, chicken ramen soup with uh, some nice eggs in it and I am full up to the gun but ready to go. Do you know something I've never had is ramen? Wow, you're missing out. I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely surprised by that. You, you need to go. There's a nice restaurant in Edinburgh. The next time you're in Edinburgh, there's a couple nice restaurants that do authentic ramen. It is something to die for. So what, what is ramen exactly? So it's like noodle soup, but what the ingredients that they put in it makes it special. So um, it's, you know, obviously it's massive in Japan. <coughs> Excuse me. So in Japan, it is one of the most consumed dishes in the entire country. It's basically essentially noodle soup with unique flavoring in it. Uh, you, you know, you can put plenty of soya sauce in. Um, you can have it with meats. You can have it with things like eggs as well. Uh, a lot of places have like kind of boiled eggs in it. And they slice it up and let the flavour of the, the yolk and of the egg in general basically go into the soup. And it is just brilliant. I'm really proud of this one as well. That I made myself. Uh, okay, so there we go. I suppose we should get, get a move yeah. on uh, here at the WinFL show. And we've got plenty to talk about because mm. week 12. Oh, no, week 13. Wow. Week 13, oh, yeah. Did I miss a week there? Week 13 the is in the books it is done dusted and uh, next week of course we got sorry this week oh my what's wrong with me this week coming oh. up we've got week 14 we're going to have a rapid fire preview of week 14 but of course we've got a week 13 recap and we've got random stats as well so we're going to kick off with the thursday night game between the new england patriots at the buffalo bills at gillette stadium and 65,878 fans watch the buffalo bills come into town and walk away with a 24 to 10 win um the bills never trailed at any point in this oh they did they did yeah, the, first bills, quarter. Yeah, <laughs> the bills trailed only for a brief period and uh, in, in the first quarter seven to three um took the lead um from a different digs pass from josh allen with 14 mm. to go in the second and never trailed again that's what i was trying to say i just didn't do oh. it very well at all um it was a pretty good game from a neutral point of view some some good play being at not an awful lot of yards though and i did notice that uh, particularly in new england side they really seem to be having trouble running the ball dave what did you make of this one i think bills they i mean after the second quarter they were never in trouble there was just nothing for new england in that second half uh, whatsoever they only managed three points after i mean well after the first quarter they only managed three points so i think that goes to show the strength of the bills not only offensively because um we well uh, alan managed to get two touchdowns no picks uh it was stefan diggs that got one in uh also gabe davis as well and they were pretty competent they were really good throws as well Diggs seven receptions for 92 yards one of the best players in the game Mac Jones, uh, but a stop-start game, 22 of 36 for 195 yards. He had a couple of big plays. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, Marcus Jones uh, managed to get two receptions for 51 yards. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Jones is a cornerback. He, I'm sure he was then brought in to, this, uh, to, to the offense and managed to be their top receiver in the game. 
It's really, it was a really weird thing. I've never, I, I can't remember last time I saw this. Uh, maybe, and I'm just putting this out there, Dave. Maybe someone was listening to the show last week. Remember I was talking about Reggie White. <laughs> if yes. he decided to play tight end, he'd have been like the greatest tight end of all time. Maybe someone was listening to us on the podcast and was like, I've got a great idea. Let's whack one of our defensive players and a wide receiver. Now, we, uh, our show was released on Thursday. Yes. So, uh, I think, I'm just, you know, just bear with me. I think Marcus Jones might needed more than just a few hours practice for the routes that he was running. And he was running quite a few of the routes as well. I so, don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't I, know. I, I, I think maybe that swung it, though. Maybe Belichick was kind of, should we, should we not listen to the Win FL show? Boom, in goes Jones. So that, that's probably you never exactly know. what it was. That's yeah, yeah. I think we've nailed it in there. I definitely yeah. have there. But uh, yes, I mean the, the Bills looked fairly dominant in this one. Uh, didn't yeah. really make any mistakes. Uh, what do you what do you think about Josh Allen? He's sort of had a better game in that he didn't make any awful mistakes in this game, which he's done in the past couple of weeks and looked really some really poor decision making. Um, he certainly looked steadier in this one, didn't he? Yeah, the the Bills, uh, sorry, the Patriots managed to contain him quite well, which is always a good thing when you're up against Josh Allen. Um, 66, well, two-thirds completion percentage, 22 or 33, 223 yards, so a nice little numbers there. Uh, two touchdowns, no picks either. There was one or two where they hit the, the Patriots had a chance to pick it, but uh, they just weren't able to do it. Um yeah, I, I think he was competent enough. He didn't really have to get out of second or third gear in this one. Uh, he picked up the pace in the second quarter and just didn't really need to do much in the second half. So, um, he, he, I mean, he did the job. I, I, he's, I, I think he's well out of the kind of MVP discussions now. Um, but, yeah, the Bills, the only sort of downsides for the Bills in this game, Von Miller is out for the rest of the year. Yes, Von Miller uh, had some surgery on his ankle and he's he's been uh-huh. placed on IR for the rest of the year. That is a big blow for the Buffalo Bills. But um, I think they're, they're still going to win games without him. They'll be okay. Yeah. But um, I think it's more of a sort of a post-season where they'll miss him uh, is in the postseason. The yeah, where, games. where he picked up with the Rams last year. Well, exactly. And that, you know, the certain players turn up the, uh, on the biggest stage and the biggest games. Von Miller is definitely one of those players. So mm. we then move on to the Sunday games and we start with the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium in front of 66,523 fans who watched the Browns win 27-14 without scoring a single offensive touchdown. Um, it was a bizarre game to watch. Yeah. Um, now this, we probably do have to mention that this was Deshaun Watson's uh, first game back uh, after his suspension. He didn't look good. I've got no issues with that mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, <laughs> well, I don't. You know, I, I just uh, no, neither do yeah, I. It's no fine. issues with him looking pretty subpar, uh, missing some wide open receivers and making some bad throws. So I was quite happy to see that. But um, it started off uh, in the second quarter when Nick Chubb was actually tackled in the end zone. Uh, sorry, after a field goal by Kimi Fairbairn, which Houston up three to nothing. Nick Chubb was tackled in the end zone for a safety. Houston were up five nothing. Mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones then had a punt return touchdown in the second okay. quarter. Then in the third quarter, Denzel Ward had a fumble return touchdown 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the team traded field goals, and then Tony Fields in the fourth quarter had an interception return for a touchdown. No offensive touchdowns were scored until, with one fifty-seven to go, Kyle Allen threw a six-yard pass to Nico Collins, but by then the game was already um, out of reach, and they tried a two-point conversion. Didn't make it. 27-14. Um, Kyle Allen looked okay. Um, he, he was fine. Nothing great. He, he did throw a couple of interceptions, but he was okay. Uh, I'll be honest, I think he looked better than Sean Watson, apart from those two interceptions. So, Dave, um, I don't particularly want to talk about this Cleveland Browns team, but I suppose we have to cover the game. What did you think of it? We'll cover it briefly anyway. Um, I, I think it was just which quarterback is going to be worse looking. Uh, it's pretty much what I took from this. Deshaun Watson looks slow, rusty, and not what the Browns paid for. I, he really, I, I, I worry for the Browns in a way that I don't really care. But at the same time, that from a business point of view, they've made a really bad decision here. Um, 12 of 22 for 131 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He took off seven times and he got 21 yards for it, but he didn't. He just did nothing. His legs are just don't look okay. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were what got anything done on, on the offense for the Browns. A couple of big runs from both of them. Um, it, it was just great play by the defensive line on on the safety as well. They managed to cut through because I think they were only on the one or the two yard line. They, they didn't break the plane of the end zone safety, and I think it was three two at that point, which was a really odd score. But um, yeah, I I know what you're saying about um, Allen about Kyle Allen. He to me, I, I mean, I watched um, the game in forty on Game Pass. I mean, 20 or 39, 201 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and the picks were pretty bad. I mean, one wasn't necessarily his fault, but he could have done better, and the other one was just a bad throw. Uh, a couple of big throws, but apart from that, it was a really bad game. It, 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 there were six turnovers in the game. It was just fumble, fumble, interception, fumble, interception, fumble. It, 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 oh, I think there was three fumbles, sorry, and uh, three interceptions. I think there was one deflected as well. But, yeah, there was a really bad one where three defensive linemen of the Browns got through. It got tipped up in the air, and one of the defensive linemen grabbed it and just it's kind of what sauntered in. But I think there was a, the quarterback sneak as well when they were on the one-yard line. Callan tries to sneak it. How he loses the ball, I don't know. It just pops out of a pile of about 16 players on that goal line. I don't know how it came out. But Denzel Ward just picks it up and just half walks it into the end zone. He just can't believe his luck, but Carl Allen needs to do a lot better there. I don't know if it's inexperience or it was just awful because I, I, I didn't see anything from the Browns. Uh, the Texans were 1-12 and on third down. That's not okay. You're never going to get anything from a game uh, playing like that, but... Yeah, the Texans somehow come away with the win. Uh, sorry, the Browns somehow come away with the win. Both teams just tried to lose this game. Texans are 1-10-1 now and almost look shoo-in for the first pick in the draft. So I think they're definitely going to be looking at these quarterbacks. I think they don't have a choice but to look for yeah. these quarterbacks. So you're probably absolutely right there. Uh, we then come to the uh, game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos at M&T Bank Stadium in front of 70,443 fans who probably wish they'd stayed at home. 
Um, oh, where do I even start with this? Well, do you want, do you want me to? I'll take over uh, first just before that. You do, do you know what, Dave? Please, please do yeah. so. Thank you. Okay. So if the final score was 10 to 9 for the Ravens. Now, after four, after I don't want to say four or five plays on offense, maybe um, Lamar Jackson goes down and he's hurt and he's out for the game. So in comes the backup, Tyler Huntley. Now Huntley's got good, kind of good mobility. Right? He was able to do essentially nothing for three quarters for maybe ninety percent of the game, right up until the fourth quarter when he gets. The, when he gets a, the touchdown, runs into the touchdown, they get the extra point. The only thing, I, the only problem I have at the end of the game is that there was a very questionable, uh, unnecessary roughness slash targeting penalty called on the Broncos. I, I took issue with that, and um, I think that apart from apart from the whole, the rest of the game prior to that, cost the Broncos the game. Broncos could have won this game nine to three. Yeah, um, that 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 call on Alex Singleton. Um, yeah, it was sort of fifty fifty whether or not they throw that flag. If you're a Broncos I, fan, you find that harsh, <coughs> and if you're a Ravens fan, you're screaming for it to be for the flag. To be yeah, I, I think I think if they hadn't thrown the flag, I'd have been seeing we might have got away with one there. Yeah. Because it really was. Helmet did hit Helmet, but he clearly went in with his shoulder. It, so it's yeah. one of those, it's almost like incidental Helmet. But it was Helmet Helmet, so they threw the flag. I, I tell you, at that point, that was when I was like, we're going to lose this game. Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought the same, but the, th- the thing is, the rest of the game was shockingly bad from the Broncos in particular. You know, they... they the rushing game, uh, you couldn't really get it going. The amount of time they were punting left, right, and center. Uh, the, the Broncos' defense were let down badly here uh, because they they played a really good game. Obviously, Singleton coming in time and time again, and uh, Josie Joe played amazing as well. Between them, uh, they had sixteen tackles and eighteen assists. That is amazing stats. Don't forget, you know, uh, players like Justin Simmons. Um, did he not pick it off at some two, point? Two, two interceptions. Uh, two, yeah, yeah, two interceptions. But also the defensive line as well. Uh, I quite liked Baron Browning's sack. That mm-hmm. that was quite an impressive one. Uh, Jonathan Cooper's sack was the one that took down Lamar Jackson. It was, yes. Yes, and there was also two sacks for De- Deshaun Williams, who was breaking that offensive line brilliantly. I was really impressed with him as well. But the, the rest of the game, I mean, I mean, it was just awful from both teams. Uh, it, it's been not since the Colts game have I seen a game that bad. <laughs> you said that I think two weeks ago. What to the and Broncos? It, yes, it's yes, just... and it's getting worse. It, it's just getting worse. The Broncos couldn't run the ball. The Ravens couldn't do anything with the ball. Um, Huntley threw an interception as well. He did run in for one, but it's, it's just what well, it wasn't there. Um, Mark Andrews got a couple big throws. Uh, I think uh, Duvernay tried to. Yes, du, uh, Duvernay was the one that they, they tried a kind of weird, very, very weird wide receiver throw. Duvernay, mm. he threw it into. It wasn't even double coverage. It was quadruple coverage in the end zone. He tried to throw it, and um, it, it was very, very easily picked off. I think that that was um, that was one of uh, Simmons' interceptions, if I remember rightly. But yeah, that, I mean, he, there was also the chance for uh, Marshall. 
to kick a field goal uh, with the last kick of the game. It, it just didn't have the legs on it. It wasn't his fault. Put in a bad situation. Russell Wilson went down too quick um, when he was, um, I think, on the, the final play before. Just he, I think he slid too quickly. Could have taken a hit or two. Get that extra five, six yards. A much better chance for the for the kicker, but he didn't do it, and Broncos lose again. Yeah. So, um, right now, I know I say this every week. <laughs> okay. Stick, stick your timer on. I, I I am not going to go on and on about the Broncos because last week we were like two and a half hours, and the mm. show is not happening this week. Just a couple of things I, I need to point out here. Um. So the Denver Broncos were 2 of 12 on third down in this game. Yes. Um, Their average, I believe, was 9.7 yards on third down. Average. That's unbelievably bad. That's horrendous. That's your average. Uh, Honestly, I was watching one of the other games, and I forget which one it was now, and they showed you, it was like, you know, the fourth quarter, average to go on third, it was like 4.1. And I'm thinking, I've, I I wish the Broncos could average 4.1 on third down. That's a, that's a dream of mine because they're so bad. This offense is so bad. It's hard to quantify. And I know I'm just flogging a dead horse here. You know, it's the worst we've I've ever seen with the Broncos. Yes, it is. It is. It's just, but they're, they're finding new ways to lose. Yes. I actually saw someone on Twitter said, oh, I, 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 and I forget who it was, and they said, I can't believe the Broncos' defence broke at the end there. And I was just, like, aghast that anyone could find fault with the Broncos' defence in this game. I was just thinking, are you kidding me? On that final drive, there was the, the unnecessary roughness penalty, the 15-yard penalty. The Ravens converted twice on fourth down, including on their own 25-yard line with a Mark Andrews run. And it was only because Mark Andrews made that incredible second effort to get the yeah. first down. Uh, that game would have been over if, if it had been stopped. And, and you can say that. You can say, well, if they'd stopped them, they'd have won the game. They had stopped them the entire game up to this point. The Ravens could do, you're right, Ravens couldn't do anything. Yep. Nothing. They couldn't do anything with Lamar, and when he went injured, they couldn't do anything without Lamar. D- d- well, it, it was matter. quite early on, quite early on that Lamar. Very early on, that he went down. Yeah. The other thing is that uh, the Broncos, at no point in this game, it, at no point, did the Broncos get into the red zone of the Ravens. Now, yeah. Now, one of their drives started on the Ravens' thirty-nine-yard line. From a Justin Simmons, in- Simmons interception, and they yeah. couldn't get into the red zone. You're just thinking, it's the this offense is so anemic and so bad. I've I've got a couple of stats for you, Dave. A couple of stats mm. for you here. So, um, last year Russell Wilson had um, what we will call a down year by his own fairly high standards. Yeah, yeah. his red zone passer rating um, was a little over 90 last year. Still one of the best in the league, um, even though his his own year, his stats for the season weren't as good as they normally are, but his, his red zone passer rating was over 90. Take a guess what his red zone passer rating is this year. 
Now, I keep in mind, I know the stat from last week because they didn't get into the the red zone this week. At no point did they get inside the, the Ravens 20. Take a guess. I mean, obviously, we can assume there's a drop-off. So what do you reckon? Russell Wilson's red zone passer rating is this year. I mean, I'm going to say it's probably 50. It's a, it's a big drop-off. 6.1. Oh, <laughs> 6.1. It is the worst in the NFL. The Broncos are the worst red zone offense in the NFL, and it's not even close. Not even close. They're now averaging less than 14 points per game with this performance. Another game with zero touchdowns. Russell Wilson has eight touchdown passes on the season. Still got more bathrooms. Still got more bathrooms. Um, now, some quarterbacks who have more touchdown passes this year than Russell Wilson. Davis Mills has more touchdown passes. He hasn't played in two weeks. Taylor Heineke has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson. And he's only played uh, since uh, the week seven. Carson Wentz has more touchdown passes than Both... Washington Commanders quarterbacks have more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson. Wentz hasn't played since week six. He played weeks one through six, and it's been Heineke since then. Both of them have thrown more touchdowns than Russell Wilson. So, you know, don't talk to me about injuries, and don't talk to me about, you know, him not having weapons. It's just unbelievably bad. It's so bad. And the Broncos now have the third pick in the draft, except they don't, because they gave it to, to Seattle. And and here's the thing, right? So the sea I hate the Seahawks. I uh-huh. oh, I hate them so much. It was the trade with Seattle that got the Broncos Paxton Lynch. I know. So that you you wonder why some people wonder why I hate the Seahawks, why I hate Pete Carroll. Because he, he's he's just a force for evil in the universe, particularly against my Broncos. It's just awful. This uh, team stinks. It absolutely stinks. It's just from top to bottom. It reminds what, me of that, that that Jim Mora rant. We can't run. We can't pass. We can't yeah. punt. We can't, you know. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Coaching all, we're all, all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. That's, but, that's but, what it's like. So, obviously, you know, you've got problems with the play calling. You've got problems on offense. What do you think will improve the situation particularly with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Do you a think direct hit by a meteorite would improve the situation in Denver? Um see the thing is the thing that gets me is I I can't defend Russell Wilson because he's not playing well. This is plain for everyone to see Russell Wilson uh-huh. is playing awful this year. It's just terrible. You know what? It's do you know this is probably the uh, looking at his stats alone suggests that this was probably his best game for the Broncos as well. This was probably his best game since, since week one, since the game against yeah. the Seahawks in week one. It, efficiency-wise, but he only had 189 yards on, on 22 attempts. Mm-hmm. A lot of short passes. Yeah, he had, he had one, one big pass, I think it was to Judy, quite early mm-hmm. on. 
that I thought, yeah, th- this is more positive, this is good, and that that was the highlight. That that was it. There was nothing else in the entire game. And it's 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 really hard, as I say, to 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 try and you know figure out what's wrong with his team because it just seems everything they do offensively is awful, and this defense is wasted. Now, the the San Francisco 49ers have the number one ranked defense across the board in the entire NFL. I still yes. believe this Broncos defense is better. If, if the, this Broncos team had an offense performing at the same level of the San Francisco 49ers offense, we'd be undefeated. We'd be un- because of this defense. In, in fact, right, so... Here's the thing, right? That San Francisco, we're going to talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk about them. Jimmy G, the yeah. poor soul, most handsome man in the NFL, is out, we think, for the year with a foot no injury. No sympathy. No sympathy. Right? I, I understand that. Divisional rivals, <laughs> you hate them. I get that, okay? So who do they bring in a quarterback? Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy. Great name. Brock Purdy. I love it. Mr. Irrelevant, the final player taken in the draft, becomes the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever attempt to pass in the NFL. Now, when I when I heard this, I was like, that's not right. I've, I've seen Chad Kelly. I've seen him in a Broncos uniform, on the pitch, in a regular season game. But he didn't throw. He took, he took a knee. So, it turns out Brock Party's the first Mr. Irrelevant ever to do it. The final guy taken in the draft, comes on for the 49ers, throws two touchdown passes. Two I can't remember the last time Russell Wilson threw two touchdown passes. I don't remember the last time Russell Wilson threw two touchdown passes. I, I'm sure it's happened. I just don't know when it was. This this I, team is just awful. It's, it's, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm done talking about this team. Oh, next week we've got the Chiefs. Oh my God. Kansas, <laughs> the Chiefs. Yeah. We just lost to the, uh, a Lamarless Ravens team that we completely shut down that offense. Completely. They couldn't do anything. And we still lost that game. Heather, here's another stat for you. Since, uh, I think it's the year 2000. I'm, I'm, I might have the year wrong there. Since the year 2000, teams that have um, not... Sorry, teams that have turned the ball over twice... And not had a turnover, not taking the ball away, and only scored 10 points, are 0 and 207 until this game. They're now 1 and 207. <laughs> 207 times this has happened since, I think it was the year 2000, double check that. Every time they've lost, because of course, if you lose a turnover battle, 2 nothing. You only score 10 points. You're, you're losing that game. There's no way you're winning that game. There you go. It's the Broncos for you. This is, this, is the, this is the Denver Broncos, the 2022 Denver Broncos. If anyone is listening to this episode five years from now or something like that, I don't know, if, still, if the world's still around in five years' time, a bit morbid. Um, if anyone's listening to this, and you know, I'm just I'm just spitballing here, Dave. Right, we're thinking way outside the box, right? Okay. Broncos are just coming off their third consecutive Super Bowl win, right? <laughs> I'm 
And they're thinking, what is this guy talking about? If, if you if you've not, the 2022 Denver Broncos is the worst offense. Just the, and I don't care about the scores. Oh yeah, you know, the 2006 Raiders scored fewer. But I don't care about that. This is the worst. There's been nothing like it because it's not like other teams are scoring 50 points against you and you're just having to throw all the time and you're throwing loads of interceptions. It's not the case. The Broncos have been in almost every single one of these games but just can't get it done. And And if I see one more throw, drop back through on third and one, I'm going to scream, I swear. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm, and I apologise for listening. I said I wasn't going to go on. Right, I'm done. That's it. We're moving on. We're <laughs> moving on. We come to a team that I should maybe start supporting. The Detroit Lions against the Jacksonville Jaguars at Ford Field in front of 60,743 fans. And the Lions put on a clinic in this uh-huh. scheme. Seven drives, seven scores, batting a kneel down. 40 to 14 over the Jaguars. Dave, what did you make of this? I know you and McPhail's a happy man. I don't blame him either. This this was just clinical. Uh, Jared Goff had one of the games of his life here. 31 of 41, 340 yards, two touchdowns, and he looked clinical. But of course, his new his, he's, he had two main weapons in this game. A, a couple big throws to D, DJ Shark, uh, one magnificent one down the, uh, the side, and Amon Rassane Brown. Oh, what a receiver he is. 11 receptions, 114 yards, and Goff's two touchdown passes straight to him, including one where he was he had just had no one around, like a kind of five-yard zone of nobody around him whatsoever. But then, of course, the running back unit of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Between them, 25 carries for 97 yards and two rushing touchdowns as well. It, it was really impressive. Um there was no picks in this match at all, and Trevor Lawrence was just, he couldn't really do much. He had, he had that one touchdown pass, but I think the game really, the, it was set early on when Travis Etienne uh, fumbled that, and it was picked up. So that pretty much set the standard for the rest of the game for the Jaguars. The only kind of bright spot for them was Christian Kirk, really six receptions for 104 yards, a couple big plays from him. Uh, Evan Ingram caught Lawrence's uh, touchdown pass as well but by that point it was just too late I think that was in the third quarter from him rightly and they got the two-point conversion so Detroit are just they're picking up at the right time of the year they're, they've moved to five and seven now obviously that's not a great record by, by you know kind of anyone's uh, standards at all but um, they're they're right in with uh, in playoff contention the, the kind of team that they really need to be worried about it's the Packers because they're starting the Packers are starting to show up finally uh, it's about time but they're the Packers are five and eight so one of the things that's really going to stop the Lions this year is that they've got to face the Vikings they've got they, they have the Packers on the final on week 17 they've got a kind of hot and cold Jets as well they've got a poor Panthers they've got a hot and cold Bears so they're right there they've got a massive chance and do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I think the Lions make the playoffs this year. Oh, I, I, I like it. I think the Lions will make the playoffs this year, and I really hope they do because I love Dan Campbell. I hate Jared Goff. I love Dan Campbell. <laughs> I love their running back unit. I love Amon Rassane Brown. 
yeah, I love Aiden Hutchinson as well, who's right in contention for Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, yeah, big up the big up the Lions. The Jaguars were poor, and yeah, I mean, there's not much you can really say about the Jaguars. It was they were just up against a rampant Detroit Lions. There was a couple um, penalties as well for the Jaguars that kind of hurt them at vital points. Five penalties in the game for them. The Lions really disciplined. Just one penalty. I think it was a false start as well. Uh, no, so was that a false start? No, it was, I think it was a, a defensive, uh, offensive holding penalty, cost them ten yards. But apart from that, really, really solid. Three, oh, well over three hundred yards of uh, passing, a hundred yards rushing in total. Yeah, Lions rampant winners in this one, and really impressive. Yeah, they they really were, and they're so much fun to watch. This is yes. a fun team to watch. Uh, as you mentioned, some of those players, you know, guys like Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift and Amarasim Brown. Absolutely wonderful. And I'm with you. Aiden Hutchison, Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's he's my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Mm. Uh, in fact, in a couple of weeks, Steve, we're going to have to start making our picks. Um, we're coming up to the end of the season. We're going to have to make our you know, MVP, Offensive mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Years, Rookie of the Years, Comeback Player and all that. We're going to get that done in the next few weeks. But uh, for me, already Aiden Hutchison has it sewn up for Defensive Rookie. So we're then going to move on and we come to the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Jets at US Bank Stadium. 66,973 people watch the Minnesota Vikings squeak this one out to move to 10-2. and Purchase the Jets down to 7-5 with a 27-22 victory. And it was basically the Greg Zorline show. It was, yes. It was just constant Greg Zorline kick I you know I don't even know how many field goals he kicked it, it was, was five like five yeah, field goals it, and two extra yeah that, uh, and one the extra Jets, point yeah because the Jets were tra- trailing at one point uh, I think it was 20 points to 15 uh, if I remember rightly and it was just five field goals field goal after field goal after field goal I think one was was it did he kick a six a fifty eight yarder or a sixty so, yarder or something yeah, so like that? They were trailing twenty to three in the second mm-hmm. quarter. Yeah, uh, and it, we six, thought it was game over. We we yeah. did. Greg Zorlin kicks a sixty yard field goal um, with uh, eight seconds to go in the half, uh, and then in the third quarter he kicks a thirty six yard field goal and a thirty yard field goal, and then the fourth quarter twenty six yard field goal to pull it back to twenty to fifteen. So uh, yeah. the Jets had the right idea. They're like, right, listen, we're not scoring touchdowns here. Let's just get it into field goal range quickly, kick three points, and then just try and get the ball back immediately, and just keep doing that. And it came very close to working. I mean, mm-hmm. very close to working. But uh, what else did you see in this game? Uh, I, I mean, Mike White was he was okay, but he, there was Mike he, White? he was pretty. Yeah, exactly. We we, we love Mike White in this show. The only thing now he he had they they had a lot of plays in this game to the Jets. I, I mean, I think it was 80, 83 total plays uh, in in the game. Mike White threw fifty seven times. Now he threw for three hundred and sixty nine yards in the game. No touchdowns. He did rush in for one, but he, uh, he had two picks as well. Those two picks were bad throws. Uh, that that's the only kind of downside. Um, there, there was a weird play as well where uh, Garrett Wilson tried to throw it as well, and it, it it did not work out. And I think they were lucky that it was just an incompletion. Um, I I I do like Zonovan Knight. He he did really well. Fifteen carries for ninety yards. The Jets didn't want to run the ball, which really disappointed me. Obviously, giving the ball to Mike White, a lot of faith in the quarterback. That's really good. 
Garrett Wilson had a, a really good game, 162 yards from eight receptions, but they just couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, I mean, and the final play, I think it was it, it was thrown into double coverage kind of thing, and it was in, uh, it was uh, picked off. You know, it it the game was almost gone at that point. They had a good final drive. The only reason Greg the Leg did not get uh, a AFC. Uh, special teams player of the week was because of Donovan Peoples Jones returning that punt for the touchdown. Greg the leg, well, his, his sixty yarder was good from sixty four, so that that's how good yeah. it was. It was close to an NFL record. I, I was upset. I've said it before. I was upset when the Rams let him go because you know he wanted a, a slightly higher contract. They weren't willing to pay that, so they let him go and brought in Matt Gay. Greg the leg, absolute phenomenal kicking performance from him and. Yeah, it was just, it, it was brilliant. He got his team back into the game. Mike White just slightly fell at the last at the last kind of uh, hurdle. Um, a little bit of concern for Jalen Rager as well. He went down twice in the game, uh, very slow to get up uh, with, you know, after taking a couple big hits. So he only got one reception, which is a massive one for 38 yards. Justin Jefferson had a lot of short throw, uh, short receptions, but he, he managed to get a touchdown as well. Kirk Cousins, just did the Kirk Cousins thing, 21 of 35, 173 yards, uh, one touchdown, no picks, and Davin Cook, 20 carries for 86 yards, along with a touchdown. Also, Madison's uh, cut to get in for a rushing touchdown as well was quite impressive. So they've got a good running back unit, as we know it, in Minnesota. Apart from that, it, it was kind of... Uh, oh, uh, also, I did really like um, Harrison Smith's interception as well. Um, for I think I think it was a deflected one. Harrison Smith was right there, you know, all pro safety for the Vikings. He's been there for years and getting a job done. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an impressive performance from the Vikings in the first half. Apart from that, the Jets came back. They let the Jets come back again and again, but they just fall short. Our pick for uh, upset of the week just fall, falling short at the last time at the last hurdle. Yeah, it was a close one. Uh, and speaking of close ones, we move on to the New York Giants at the Washington Commanders <laughs> at MetLife Stadium. And 76,128 people watched this one go literally right down to the wire and not go off the wire at all. Uh, this one finished with a 2020 tie. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the final score of, of the game was uh, Jahan Dotson's 28-yard touchdown pass from Taylor Heineke with 1.45 to go in the game to tie it up at 20. And there was no more scoring after that. That. Um, it was not the best game to watch. No. <laughs> it's like, particularly if you like offensive football. But um, it's, I mean, what can you say about this one, David? There was, there was like, it was a game. It, it was a, a game. A game was played. Yeah, but yeah. apart from that, it, it wasn't, it was, there wasn't much quality in the game. There were a couple of good throws from Taylor Heineke, though. I think he was the kind of bright spot for the commanders and, you know, scary Terry. So a couple of fantastic receptions, managed to lose his um, man to man um, cornerback a couple of times. He did really well, eight receptions for 105 yards. On the other side of the ball, though, Daniel Jones needs to stop running with the ball. They've got to stop with the quarterback draws because he fumbled it as well and it was a bad fumble. He should, he should have been protecting the ball. Just no sense of protection whatsoever. The only other person that ran the ball for the Giants at all was Saquon Barkley. 18, 18 carries, 63 yards, one touchdown. Couldn't really get the run game going. And Daniel Jones took off a couple, a good few times, 12 carries for 71 yards. 
A great catch for Darius Slayton, though. I was really impressed with him. Six receptions for 90 yards. Apart from that, um, I mean, I mean, the, the commanders were lucky that um, Taylor Haneke wasn't severely injured in that game because it was a couple... He was sacked a good few times, was Haneke. I think five times uh, that I think it, it was. And one of them, they completely left Kayvon Thibodeau completely unguarded whatsoever. He comes in and annihilates Taylor Heineke. And how, how he managed to hold on to the ball, I don't know. How he was like a broken everything, I don't know after that. But he managed, he's, yeah, he, he, I'm surprised he was okay after that one. It was a big hit. But the Commanders and the Giants, both terrible. Neither of them should have winning records yet. They both do. Giants 7-4-1 now. Commanders 7-5-1. So that draw, that, that, that tie slightly helps the Giants I'd say more than the Commanders but um, yeah the, I, I don't know what else you want to say about that, the, the Graham Gano missed, a, it was, I think it was a deflected uh, field goal late on in overtime that could have got it just fell short a little bit so um, yeah, it, it, it's a tie it, it was a really low quality game but both teams get something out of it I suppose. Um, I was going to say they both got one point, but they don't work in point system, so no. yeah, right. Anyway, talking rubbish. Uh, we then move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Tennessee Titans, and the Eagles came in uh, to this one and walked away from it with a 35-10 to victory in front of 69,879 fans at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, they moved to 11-1. They pushed the Titans down to 7-5. And it was a bit of a beatdown that they actually put on the Titans in this game. Uh, they kept that rushing game uh, in check. Um, although they didn't, didn't rush for much themselves, Philadelphia. But Jalen Hurts just put on an absolute clinic in this one. Um, Dave, what do you reckon of Jalen Hurts? He really is the real deal, it looks like. He's definitely the real deal. But I'll tell you who else is the real deal. The man of this game, A.J. Brown. What a performance. Eight receptions, 119 yards, and he just he put it to the Titans. This is why they should not have let him go. Even for a first-round pick, they picked Jalen Rager. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's any comparison between the two. A.J. Brown, eight receptions, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 29 out of 39, 380 yards and three touchdowns. The Titans did not rush Jalen Hurts because they were scared he was go- he was going to run out and uh, you know gain some yardage, and they really suffered for it. Uh, Miles Sanders, he got one touchdown, but ten carries for 24 yards. They just couldn't get anything done in the run game, so they'd put it in the hands of uh, Jalen Hurts, and he did the job, and he did the job really well as well. So. Yeah, massive, massive congratulations to Jalen Hurts there. But A.J. Brown, what a game that boy had as well. Ryan Tannehill coming off the back of uh, an ankle injury. Um, and he actually had a big rush as well. I think he had three carries for 34 yards. Derek Henry non-existent. Um, I think by the end of the game, um, when you know Philly were 28-10, 35-10 up, they brought in Malik Willis for a bit of experience. Uh, just be just to rest Tannehill, but Tannehill 14 of 22, 141 yards and one TD. Apart from that, they just couldn't do anything, could they? I mean, Robert Woods, Robbie Trees, one reception, six <laughs> yards. Robbie Trees, that's it, yeah, that's his name. Um, the the the, the, the only thing on defense as well, the Titans managed to get two sacks of Jalen Hurts, but 
I mean, they they just couldn't stop the Eagles, and the Eagles stopped the Titans really confidently and really really competently, I should say. Um, they had barely two hundred yards of offense to the Titans, so a really poor game from the Titans. And their offensive coordinator has been sacked, so the ultimate AJ Brown revenge has been extracted on the Titans. Not only did they lose the game, but their offensive coordinator has now lost his job. So. Wow, it was impressive. And uh, Tannehill was sacked six times as well. So there you um, go. Uh, I, that's... Yeah, I understand. Did, did they not also fire their GM? Yes. Sorry, it wasn't the offense coordinator. It was their GM. I don't know about the offense coordinator, but the GM who decided to trade AJ Brown and not give him any kind of pay deal got fired straight after the game, after AJ Brown ran. He, he ran up, I think he ran up two touchdowns and also 119 receiving yards. That that's I mean if if you want to kind of stick two fingers up to the person that you think wronged you at your last team, that's one way to really competently do it. So, yeah, AJ Brown, what a player, and he showed it in this game massively. Certainly did, and then that just absolutely putting it to the Titans there. That was mm-hmm. uh, quite quite a quite a performance by Philadelphia. So um, staying in, well, I was going to say staying in Pennsylvania. Technically, it was in Georgia. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers were visiting the Atlanta Falcons uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of 70,325 fans. And the Steelers came away with a win, 1916 over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Dave, what did you make of this game? Any picket looked a lot better. Uh, he, he he's making a lot better decisions. Um, and Najee Harris finally turned up. He's been missing for the the season up on, up until the game recently. He's I mean he's bulked up a lot as Najee Harris. Um, I, I imagine it's muscle that he's put on and and not just extra weight. But uh, yeah, the the Steelers are they they just basically tried to pound the ball and rightfully so. Where they got 154 rushing yards. Um. No sacks allowed on Kenny Pickett, which a really good positive. There was no fumbles in the game. Kenny Pickett didn't throw uh, any interceptions. Um, I think uh, it was Cameron Hayward, and it was a really uh, who got the touchdown in the end. But it was a really good throw by Pickett. Good read as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Steelers were. I think at one point they might have been nineteen to three up or nineteen to six up. Um, uh, the Falcons, they've done this so many times this year. They've just, they leave themselves too much to do at the end. They had a bit of momentum um, with, I mean, as much as momentum you can have with uh, Mariota. Uh, Algier, the uh, the running second choice running backs, Cordell Patterson had a good solid game. Apart from that, the only good spot, Drake London. Don't know, Mariota just seems can't get it done. I don't yeah. know what the deal is. It's not like, so... So to put this into perspective, right? Mariota's not on a $230 million <laughs> fully guaranteed contract. You don't have to start him. No, he's on a two-year two deal that averages at something like six, uh, $6 million a year. We then come to the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. In front of 61,233 fans who watched the Packers come in and win 28-19. to 19. Dave, what did you make of this one? Justin Fields has really come on this year, and uh, I think he's he's a candidate for the most improved player since week one. Uh, for for me, anyway, I, I'm struggling to think of a player that's gone from being so incompetent for the first couple of weeks 
to what Justin Fields is producing now. Uh, even in a throwing game, I thought he was really good. The two picks, one of them wasn't really his fault. Another one was just a bad read, and he threw it into bad coverage. So, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, you throw it in the direction of Jair Alexander, you need to get it spot on. He did it once to Equanimous St. Brown, the brother of Amon Ra, um, and it was a big gain. Uh, he beat Alexander really well. The second time Alexander was ready for him and picked it out really well. So the interceptions uh, kind of put a big kind of black spot on his stats for this game. But 20-25, 254 yards, six carries for 71 yards. He just, I mean, that big run that he had was just amazing. Um, David Montgomery also got a really good um, touchdown as well. A beautiful cut and then powered it in for the extra few yards to get into the end zone was brilliant. The scoreline, to me, flatters the Packers. I think the Bears deserve to win this game, but their entire defense and offense just kind of collapsed in the fourth quarter. So uh, that's unfortunate. But, you know, until the final whistle, the game's not over. And Aaron Rodgers proved that again and again. They went for it on fourth down so many times, or it, it, on uh, times that they didn't need to go for it on fourth down, but they did. And the one time that they really got it, it was a massive play, if I remember rightly, to uh, Christian Watson, I think it was. And, well, they got it done. The Bears only punted once in the entire game. So that was, that, that's a, you know, there was only four punts in the entire game. The Packers had three. There was a, a fumble as well. I can't remember who it was that fumbled it for. The, oh, it was uh, Clayton Claypool. Clayton Claypool fumbled it. I think he was injured on the play, but because he is got, that, is he that, got sorry, hit. Sorry, is, is that Chase Claypool? It could also be Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool it might yeah. be him as well. Thank you very much. No, uh, but uh, yeah, he, there was a fumble from him. I think he got injured in the hit and then dropped the ball before he hit the ground and the Packers picked it up. So yeah, I, I think the, the, the Bears were... Uh, relatively unlucky to lose this one, especially by nine points. The Packers went for the two-point conversion to basically secure the game in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields, he's kind of on his own in this team, I feel. I, I think um, he, his running is incredible. His ability to get out of that pocket, to find the gaps in, in the offense line to go through. And yeah, I, I think the Bears are really unfortunate to be 3-10. and 10. Packers lucky to be 5-8. and eight. Aaron Rodgers... Come, came up big at the right times, but unfortunately, Packers win by 28 points to 19. They do indeed. And uh, then we move on to the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. And with 10 seconds gone in this game, the Dolphins were up 7 nothing after Trent Sheffield caught a 75 yard pass from Tua Tagavailoa. And I believe uh, RG3 tweeted, Tua, I don't care about your number one defense. Well, by the end of this game, he absolutely he really cared <laughs> because this 49ers defense is just ridiculous. It really is. Uh, the 49ers come away with a blowout win, 33-17 against the Miami Dolphins. Um, and as, I, as already mentioned, unfortunately, poor Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he came out of the game early. Uh, Brock Purdy came in, Mr. Irrelevant, and all Brock Purdy did in this game was go 25 of 37 for 210 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but a reading of 88.8. Uh, this game wasn't even close, Steve. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a, a fantastic shootout, 
But they, they pulled away so quickly, the 49ers, and just never looked back. Tyree Kill had a monster game for the Dolphins, and uh, Tagovailoa had 295 uh, passing yards. But this defense just crushed them. Um, what did you make of it? Uh, I know Tua threw that big touchdown on the first play of the game. That, that, that was, you know, it was a really impressive uh, play call there. Apart from that, Tua was shockingly bad. I, I re- Tua was just bad. Uh, there was one, he, he threw two picks as well that were really bad picks. And I, I mean really bad. But um, he, there was also the fumble. The ball was knocked out of his hand just as he was throwing it. But my nomination for Defensive Player of the Year, just he had three sacks in this game. Nick Bosa, who I think is one of the most underrated defensive ends in the entire league, absolutely showed up today. The I mean, one of the sadly for me anyway, one of the other people that I would nominate for Defensive Player of the Year is Frank Warner, who also got a pick in this game. Um, I think he got a pick in the game. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but uh, yeah, he. Frank Warner is brilliant at linebacker. He's one of, if not the best linebackers in the entire league. Um, Nick Bosa was incredible. Uh, Greenlaw picked up the fumble. I, t- I can't remember if he re- did he return it for the touchdown or did he- yeah, yeah, he did. Dre Greenlaw, sorry, re- returned to the t- touchdown. The Dolphins could get nothing done in the run game, but in fairness, they barely ran it. Seven carries for thirty yards. Tua was eighteen of thirty-three. He got big plays to Tyreek Hill including a massive touchdown so apart from these two plays the one right at the beginning and uh, the one to Tyreek I think it was in the fourth quarter he did nothing for the rest of the game and that's a two other I know and, and that I, I see quite often when Jimmy G went down with his basically career uh, not career ending season ending injury and, uh, yeah yeah in came Mr. Relland he was the very final pick of the draft last year. He was at Iowa State uh, University as well. And of course, he was two, picked 262 in the entire draft. But he comes in, knows the offense because he's been practicing with them for the entire year. 25 or 37, 210 yards. He did have that one interception, but he also had two touchdowns and he played the game of his life. So well done to Brady McCaffrey. Just he he was their best receiver. Uh, Debo did some good plays as well, but you know it's so the only team in the NFC that can stop this 49ers is the Eagles. Uh, I genuinely think it'll be it'll end up being a shootout if they come up if 49ers play the Dolphins. Not not the Dolphins, the Lions at any point. But I think the 49ers are the second best team in the NFC right now, and it's scary to see that defense. That defense is just incredible. So. Yeah, sadly the 49ers march on. They're eight and four now. They jo- the Dolphins are now eight and four as well. Not many can stop this rampant 49ers right now. No, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned, you know, uh, if they go up against the Lions at any point, number one ranked offense versus number one ranked defense, those matchups tend to match to to work in favor of the defense. Yes, uh, and but I'll, Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy could be the difference. Yeah, we need to wait and see what he can do because the Dolphins' defense isn't the best, um, no. and he looked he looked fine fine in this game. But we need to to see what he looks like against a stout defense to see what he can he can come up with. But you know, best of luck to him, Mister Relevant. Uh, as I said before, well, sort of. 
<laughs> not really bestseller. I don't. I know. I, don't really I, wish I, I know. I know you. I know you don't. Uh, but yeah. um, from neutral people, best of luck to him. Um, the first uh, Mister Relevant to ever throw a, a pass in the NFL to attempt to pass, That's and true. he threw two touchdowns. So good for him. Uh, so we move, then move on, Dave, and we come to the Seattle Seahawks. At the Los Angeles Rams, I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, now, I'm going to let you speak about this. I'll briefly go over it because I don't, don't want to take up too much of your time. SoFi Stadium in front of 71,802 people. Watch the Seahawks beat the Rams 27 to 23. The Rams go to 7 and 5. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. The Seahawks go to 7 and 5. The Rams fall to 3 and 9. Um, and it was a case of, well, Geno Smith. Once again, he had an incredible game. Where has this Geno Smith been his entire career? Uh, I refuse to believe that he's not shown any of this uh, and has just been benched the whole time. Uh, Tyler Lockett gets 128 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf gets 127 yards and a touchdown. He also threw a touchdown to Noah Fant as well. He looked fantastic and poor John Walford just didn't have a chance in this game at all. Um... Dave, I'll, I'll put it to you. It's your Rams. Tell us, first of all, tell us about the game, what you, your thoughts were on the game, what do you uh, think of the Seahawks team as well, and then tell me about your Rams. If, you've, if I've ever seen a game of false hope given to me by the Rams, this was it. We were leading in that fourth quarter. It was 23 points to 20. Uh, and, yeah, we, I mean, it was back and forth for the majority of the game. John Walford did okay, but the two interceptions were two of the worst mm. interceptions I've ever seen. And I tweeted at the time that was a bad interception. I thought that this was the first one. The second one was intended to be a 40 yard pass. He threw it for 20 yards. Just, I don't know what did it slip out his hand, but I, I don't think it did because he had a really good spiral on it. He just couldn't throw it for more than 20 yards. So I'm really disappointed at John Walford, uh, at his performance, really. Um, we did really well in the run game, though. Uh, jet sweeps, uh, Cam Akers, two touchdowns in the game. I, I, I thought, that this is it. This is where we turn the corner. We're going to get a win. We're going to get a win against the Seahawks. The defense were okay. But, I mean, we, Bobby Wagner... Abs. I don't know how he didn't. Eat. Obviously, with Nick Bosa getting three sacks, Bobby Wagner got two sacks. His interception that Bobby Wagner got was just incredible. He picked the ball out of the Seahawks receiver's hand as he was going down, mm. and it, it, I've just I've never seen a play like it. It was brilliant. Absolutely, it was absolutely immense in the game. The problem was the rest of the team did ab were absolutely terrible. Just really bad. Um, we, we Acres, apart from his two touchdowns, couldn't get too much going. He had one or two big runs, but the rest of the time were pretty poor. Tutu Atwell was brilliant. Two receptions, forty-eight yards. He had four uh, kind of jet sweeps for four for twenty-three yards as well. He, he was really good. He did what we needed to do at the time. Uh, Brandon Powell did well. Jalen Ramsey was just schooled by Metcalf a couple times. Um, and that that was quite funny to see because they were going backwards and forth like they do two times a year. Our other cornerback, though, Darian Kendrick, was awful, really awful. He lost Tyler Lockett so many times. That's how Lockett's numbers are so huge. It was Kendrick that was giving them up. He needs to be binned. Um, 
just I, I, I cry. And obviously now there's a new addition to LA. We've brought in Baker Mayfield off of waivers. I don't know how to feel about this, but after seeing John Walford, it can't get much worse. So in comes an experienced uh, quarterback in Baker Mayfield. I mean, we, we've got to end on a, on some sort of high. We have to try. Um, we're not going to get any picks in the first round, so we need to get something from this season, even just a bit of respect. I'm struggling to see where it's going to come from, but um, yeah. The Rams were re- were poor in this game. Even they somehow got twenty three points. I think that flattered us. The Seahawks got a bit lucky though. They, uh, I, I know Geno's stats twenty eight thirty nine three hundred sixty seven yards, uh, three touchdowns. He did have the one pick, but yeah, I, I, I think I think the stats flattered Geno. I, I think he did standard things. His stats really flatter him though. I, I think he made some poor decisions in the game as well. Rams just weren't good enough to capitalize. So Seahawks seven and five. Very, uh, they're, they're kind of like the uh, another NFC version of the Giants that they they don't they shouldn't really have a winning record, but they do. The Rams hundred percent deserve to be three and nine. The game on Christmas Day between us and the oh. Broncos oh. is going to be awful. And just to rub it in, they're putting it on Nickelodeon, which classically is a child's <laughs> ch- well, it's, it's child beca- TV it's channel because the NFL understand that. Um, Obviously, the children need to suffer too, you know. Um, isn't that isn't that what the phrase "suffer the little children"? I'm sure that's what that means. Suffer the little children. Yeah, they need to suffer something like that. So, yeah, yeah it, they they have to experience that life is not all roses. And uh, what better way to show them than to have the Rams play the Broncos on Christmas Day? Wow. I mean, there's other ways to show that that isn't real. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that out. Oh, no. I, no, I am bleeping that no. first word of, the, of that three-word phrase that you just used. Uh, yeah, we won't have that on the WinFL. Good <laughs> Lord, Dave, what do you think this is? Uh, the, the truth. The tr- we, we tell the truth here. That the Rams are awful. The, the Rams are awful. awful. The Broncos are awful. Let's leave and it at Pete, that. Pete Carroll is just the a worst devil. Yeah. The worst person in the world. Okay, so we'll do <laughs> We're going to move on to a game that was actually entertaining to watch. It was the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs um, at Pecor Stadium. Need to change that name. Come on. Um, 66,243 fans watched Joe Burrow go 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. Only player to do be that. Um, and the Bengals come away with a 27-24 win. This was a really, really good game to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Mahomes didn't make any mistakes in this game. But for, for a brief moment, for, you know, 60 minutes... Well, maybe about forty-eight minutes, because for twelve minutes he was ridiculous. Um, he he looked human. He actually looked human. Joe Burrow just went off on it, and uh, as for Samaji Pirine, he looked fantastic as well, running mm-hmm. the ball. Dave, what did you think of this? Did you watch the whole game? I I did, and I thought it was great. I did watch the whole game. I watched it uh, in forty minutes on Game Pass. I I, I quite like doing that. Um, you know, sort of during the week, especially. Um, Mondays, uh, usually after work, I, I watch a couple games in 40, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Joe Burrow looked amazing. He looked really good in the pocket there. 
he had a good few carries as well. Ended up extending quite a few plays. He also um, he rushed in for a quarterback sneak, if I remember rightly. Um, and he also threw for two touchdowns as well. 25 of 31 for 286 yards. Uh, but his, his prime target, Jamar Chase, seven receptions for 97 yards. A couple of really good catches as well. Um, I, I quite like T. Higgins' touchdown as well, where he, he, he got in re- really, really well. But like you say, uh, Perrin is it? Per- is Perrin that I, his name? I, is? Yeah, twi- it's either it's either Perrin or P. Ryan. I, th- I oh, it could be either. But uh, you know, obviously, he's a number. He's a number two <laughs> running back in the, yeah. in Cincinnati. So he's behind Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon wasn't in the game, uh, but yeah, he did. He was really competent, averaging five yards a play, twenty-one carries for one hundred and six yards. The Bengals just got it done. They just did really well, and um, Pacheco did well for the Chiefs as well. I, th- I thought he was quite good. Uh, rushing it, uh, Valdez Scantley had two massive throws, uh, two massive catches. Sorry, two receptions yeah. for seventy-one yards. Kelsey was uh, he wasn't really there. Um, he didn't Quiet, have his best quieter game. than usual. And in fact, yes. not, it's like he didn't have his first catch until the third quarter. I think. Like yeah, it, they, they it might just, even have been the fourth. I need to check that. They guarded him really well. Um, there, there was a fumble, if I remember rightly, for the Chiefs. Um, I, I want to say that Von Bell might have been involved, um, but I I, I, um, I can't really remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Bengals' defense, which you said last week, the Bengals have quietly got one of the best defenses in the league and mm. really impressive. So yeah, the, the Bengals go 8-4. Chiefs peg back a little to 9-3, and three, but... I still think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP this year. I don't see anyone that's that's going to top him. Uh, Joe Burrows is in the discussion now, especially the last couple of weeks. He's played really well. But they got it done. And third down efficiency, both teams were really good. Chiefs went for it twice and fourth down, got them both. But um, yeah, uh, the, the, the Bengals, they did really well. And they turned up, Joe Burrows turned up. Um, mm-hmm. I kept Patrick Mahomes quiet, only 223 yards for... The, the probable MVP this year. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are saying uh, Jalen Hurts um, for MVP because of what he's doing yeah. for Philadelphia. In the, he's in the discussion. He's in the discussion, but I don't think anybody could argue that no single player means more to their team than Patrick Mahomes does to the Chiefs. I think you could say the same about Aaron Rodgers, though. Could because you? I, I, this year? I, I um I think in perspective that he has a questionable offensive line. He, they've had a good few injuries. The wide receivers have been average at best, except from the last few weeks with Christian Watson. Apart from that, you know, he the only reason that they've got any points has really been uh, for some plays by Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I think the Packers right now. Anyway, I think if they had a couple more weapons for them, I think they'd have a much better record. But yeah, I think that's the difference between Rodgers and Mahomes. I think Mahomes, it doesn't matter if Mahomes' weapons or not. I mean, you got Juju, you've got Travis Kelsey. Uh, yeah, he you, lost you know, his you, number one weapon in Tyreek Hill, and they've looked better this year. It's just, I, I, it doesn't matter who you. It, or they've looked better. This this Chiefs offense this year looks better than it has done. It looks better than it did last year. With mm. with Tidy Kill, um, okay. and it's just I don't know. It's it, Mahomes is just on another level. It's ridiculous. Yes, but yeah, yeah. This Cincinnati defense um, is scarily good, really good, and they schemed this game to perfection. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have forgotten the name of the defensive coordinator, so apologies uh, if you're listening. 
but they they played virtually the perfect game against this Chiefs team, and the Chiefs still managed, you know, twenty odd points against them. That's how good this Chiefs offense is, but that is how mm-hmm. good this Cincinnati Bengals defense is, and the scheme they ran was top to bottom spot on so we then move uh keeping in the afc west the las vegas raiders versus the los angeles chargers at allegiant stadium in front of 62,123 fans and the raiders come away with a 27 20 win they go to five and seven knocks the chargers down to six and six um the raiders in this game Derek Carr actually seem to be played, I, I don't know, I don't want to say with more confidence because it's not like he wasn't playing with confidence, but he mm. just seemed to be enjoying himself more in this game. He seemed to be um, uh, making qu- slightly quicker decisions and just playing better than Josh Jacobs. Oh my goodness. Coming off his 300-yard performance, uh, total yard performance the previous week, 26 carries for 144 yards in this one and, and a touchdown again what do you reckon Dave Josh Jacobs free agent at the end of this year yeah my word they've got to re-sign him don't they well I hope they don't because I want the Rams to sign him uh, I did I say, I've said this I think twice over the course of the you season have indeed, I yes. that I really want Josh Jacobs to come to the Rams and the only blemish in his entire game was that he did fumble the ball uh, so that that was an unfortunate one, but it, it he also had two two receptions for six yards, but the, 20, the 144 yards he was just immense. The, a couple cuts on one of his on his touchdown run as well was just amazing. So I'm I'm really I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's a fantastic player. I know what you're saying about Carr. He looked like he was enjoying the game a bit more, but he made a couple bad throws as well. Um, so that that again that was the only blemish in this game. Um, Justin Herbert, on the other hand, he, he had a lot of throwing attempts. Um, he had 28 of 47 for 335 yards. Austin Eckler, if I remember rightly, he fumbled the ball in the game as well. Um, and that, that, again, that was a, another weird play, but uh, Keenan Allen back with a bang. Uh, if I remember rightly, he was, he's been out injured for a, a fair few weeks this season, but... Yeah, he did really well uh, with uh, six receptions for 88 yards. I'm going to read you a stat about Justin Herbert. Now, since his rookie season in 2020, it's hard to believe he's only been in the league for, what, three seasons? It's only his third season in the league. He's had 23 losses since his rookie season in 2020. There's only one quarterback in the entire league with more in that time frame. Can you name him? uh, Yes, Russell Wilson this year. <laughs> no, it's not Russell Wilson, actually. <laughs> uh, just this year. Just this yeah, year. Well, just this year. Just yeah, this uh, year. He's, yeah. He's, he's probably still got more. Uh, at this point, by the time that he catches up to Herbert, he's going to have more bathrooms, even more than three bathrooms. <laughs> right, so, so, so go for it again. What was, what was it? The, um, so Herbert, Herbert has 23 losses 23 since losses. the start of 2020. One quarterback has more, and that number is 28 in that time frame. Can you name him? 28 in that time frame. Um, he's, he's still a starter, but not necessarily at the same team. Oh. Is it Carson Wentz? Is it Jared it's Goff? Not. No, it's not. Oh. Oh. It's Matt, it's Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. 
has lost 28 games as a starter since the start of the 2020 season. That's sore. And the Col- the Colts paid a chunk of money for him as well. Well, they, they yeah they pay well they they pay they're paying a big chunk in that contract anyway. Yeah, to be fair, I would have done the same. I would have done the same. I didn't think Matt Ryan was the reason the Falcons were losing games. No, yeah, not, but for, I, not I, for one second. I I thought he's he's passed his best and on a pretty steady decline. So that's why preseason anyway, I wasn't that big on him. Well, I like Matt Ryan. <laughs> fair enough. I do. Matty Ice. Matty Ice, that's neat. So, yes, there you go. Uh, That was uh, the um, Colts versus the Raiders. uh, But not the Colts, the Bolts. The Bolts versus the Raiders. (laughs) The Bolts. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of the Colts, Mm. (laughs) next game we're going to talk about was the Sunday night game. It was the Dallas Cowboys versus the Indianapolis Colts at AT AT&T Stadium in front of 93,086 Fans, what their Dallas Cowboys, their Dallas Cowboys, going to the fourth quarter, going to the fourth quarter, okay, go into the fourth quarter, squeeze this one out with a score of 21 to 19, mm-hmm. going into the fourth quarter, a two point lead, Dave. Yep. And then all they did was score 33 points in the fourth. <laughs> To win this one, 54 to 19. It was a fairly spectacular fourth quarter from the Cowboys. I think we have to admit that. Uh, The Colts just completely self-destructed in this one. Um, Right at the end, as I say, there was two points in it at the end of the third. This was anyone's game. And then just 54 to 19 to the Dallas Cowboys over the Colts. Uh, Dave, it's all yours, Uh, what, what did you think of that? I mean, I watched the entire game. I thought that the, the scoreline almost flat. They, the Colts were competent right up until the end of the third quarter. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, they were uh, around two points down. Yeah, I, I, they, they, were, they were hanging on to the Cowboys more than like, outperforming them. But that fourth quarter was just comical. I, I, I was laughing. I watched the whole game. Half past three in the morning. I, I wasn't in work the next day, so I'll just full disclosure there. I was off the next day, so that was absolutely fine. But that fourth quarter, it's tied for the second most points any team has scored in the fourth quarter of a game in NFL history. The only time that that was beaten when the Lions put up 34 points in the fourth against the Bears. <laughs> Uh, uh, and it's also tied with the 1925 Chicago Cardinals that scored 33 against the Milwaukee Badgers. The Chicago that, that. Cardinals and the Milwaukee <laughs> Badgers. Oh, Dad, why is there not an NFL team called the Badgers? Badgers. I that would, would love a, that. Uh, I mean, you can you imagine the Badgers and uh, as their wide receiver number one, they would have Bobby Trees. As they are the Titans trading Bobby Trees to the Badgers. Is there Just, still is, there, is Badgley still kicking? Oh, I don't know. Oh, he should I, play I for the Badgers. I haven't heard. I haven't heard, I haven't heard from him. Uh, Hang on, I'm going. I'm going to actually check if he's still in the league. What's his first name? Is it Mike? I couldn't tell you. Uh, it's been that long since I've heard him. But uh, uh, yes, yeah. Mike Mike Badgley. Uh, who's he currently playing with? Nicknamed the Money Badger. <laughs> Money he's playing for the Lions. Is he? Oh, of course he is. Yes. 
Michael Bagley, <laughs> the money badger. <laughs> the money badger. It's the Lions. He's the the the. There should be a team. The next time a team moves, they need to call themselves the Badgers, and they need to sign uh, Michael Badgley, even if it's like twenty years from now. Uh, and oh, and the Honey Badger, of course. So you have the Money Badger and the Honey Badger on the same team. This needs to happen. Needs to happen. Mm. Anyway, sorry, no. Dave. <laughs> I kind of went off script just, there. Uh, Cowboys Colts. Yeah, sorry, you were saying. The, I mean, the, yes, just, the, the, the Chicago Cardinals and the Milwaukee Badgers. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I mean, it, that 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 fourth quarter, it was just awful. And uh, sorry, Matt side, Ryan, side note, side note. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. No. Side note. For anyone who isn't aware, Badgers are terrifying. They're, they they, they really them. are. If you've ever come across a anyone who's ever actually come across a badger in the wild knows what I am talking about. They are terrifying. They're 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 not that big. They're not that big. They're they're the largest uh, the largest uh, wild carnivores in the UK. Did you know that? I I never come across it. I'm afraid. Yes, badgers, and they will go for you, and they've got razor sharp teeth. And they're strong. So I'm just... I don't know why I felt the need to tell anyone that. But anyway, sorry, Dave. Carry on. Carry on. No, I, I've just... I've never... Uh, I, it's not on my bucket list of things to do uh, is to kind of test whether a badger is a carnivore or not. So oh, I, no, it's, no. I, I've got other pastimes, like being here and uh, watching the Rams and crying as I watch the Rams. So that, that that's my favourite pastimes, obviously. But uh, yeah, just at that fourth quarter... Two touch, uh, two interceptions. Sorry for Darren Bland. Uh, one interception and one fumble recovery. I think it was from Malik Hooker. Um, but yeah, they scored thirty three points. It's just absolutely awful. It, it, it's it was comical and awful. Um, if if you watch that game back, just fast forward to the end of the third quarter. The rest, the the only the only thing the Colts could do really was keep Micah Parsons really quiet uh, off that defensive end. Um, but because they were concentrating on him, they did let a couple sacks through as well. So I, I think uh, Matt Ryan was sacked three times in the game. He didn't look great uh, in that fourth quarter, especially. So he had pick after pick after pick, and yeah, it was, it was awful to see. So I think the Colts, the quicker they can move on from this, the better. Uh, they're four eight and one. The Cowboys, I think, are only behind the Eagles and the Forty ers in the NFC. So a really bright future uh, for them. And also, I think the NFC East is a fantastic division. The, I mean, the Giants and the Commanders, they tend to squeak out wins, or that's what they've done this year with Taylor Heineke and the Giants with pretty, pretty much Saquon as their main weapon. So, yeah, we'll move on for the sake of Colts fans, but the Cowboys, just big shout out, Tim, because that was impressive in that fourth quarter. The competence and... Just the style that they switched on there. So 54-19, what's a score? Yes, indeed. And as you uh, mentioned there, Tim Durbin, the voice of the uh, WinFL show that does all the voiceovers for us, a big, huge Dallas fan. He loved that one. So then we move to the Monday night game uh, at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were taking on the New Orleans Saints in front of 68,709 fans. And, oh my word. So, the New Orleans Saints are winning this game 16-3, to right? 
Correct. 16 to 3. It's the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. 6-11 yeah. to go in the game. Andy Dalton throws a pass to Mark Ingram, and Mark Ingram is clearly hobbled by this point. The man can barely stand up. Yes. And he's hobbling. <laughs> hobbling for the first down marker, but he goes out of bounds. One yard short. Stops the clock. Doesn't get the first down. And this is on Tampa's 44-yard line. Five 40 to go. Oh, sorry, it was 6-11 to go in the game. 6-11, yeah. Right? Now, at this point, I'm thinking, well, first of all, why, why are you going out of bounds? And secondly, why are you going out of bounds short of the sticks? When he could he could have got it. But the man was clearly limping badly. Mm-hmm. Then on third and one, with 5-40 to go in the game, for some reason, the Saints decide to throw the ball instead of running the ball it falls incomplete and they have to punt to the Buccaneers and then wouldn't you know it's just dink and dunk Tom Brady goes down the field scores a touchdown to make it 16-10 and then the New Orleans Saints basically go three and out and Tom Brady dinks and dunks his way down the field and scores a touchdown and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the game I have no idea, absolutely no idea, how this game ended 17-16 to the... Oh, you know, I do. I do. Because it's Tom Brady. And for some reason, which I will never, ever understand for as long as I live, teams just poop the bed, keeping a PG-13 here, against Tom Brady. Uh, there was there was no reason, no reason for the Saints to attempt to pass in third and one. They could have taken a knee and they'd probably have won this game on mm-hmm. third and one. Why throw the ball? Now, I'm not going to have a go at Ingram for going out of bounds. I, I wondered at the time, I was just apoplectic. I was losing my mind. I was like, what are you doing? First of all, why are you going out of bounds? And secondly, why are you going about short of the sticks? Just get the first down. This game, this game is over. The, up to this point, the Buccaneers had three points and were doing nothing. Tom Brady was rubbish in this game. Absolute trash. And I'm talking garbage. Did nothing yeah. in this game whatsoever. But then I think Taysom Hill dropped an absolute dime from uh, Andy Dalton. Dalton, It's like, you know, he couldn't have handed the ball off any better to him. And he drops it. Why teams, first of all, run plays they should not be running against Tom Brady-led teams. I don't know why they do this. And then when they do have a play that works, they can't execute it. It's all, I, I swear to God, Dave, sometimes I think this game is rigged. I swear to God, there there was no way the Saints should have lost this game. I think there was a bad a bad drop by Jarvis Landry as well. I think um, there was actually yes. I think yeah. you're right. Landry did have a but, terrible drop as well. But yeah, but they they, they the, should have they should run the ball. Just run the ball. You've got you've got Alvin Kamara. You need it's one a, yard. 
You yeah. know what? How many, time, how many times have we said this this year? About not, not, not just the Saints in this game. About umpteen teams. It's third and one. You've got the lead. You've got the ball in your opponent's um, um, half of the field. And, and, and then you throw. Well, why are you You're ahead. You're ahead. You're ahead. You're trying. I don't know if they don't under. Do NFL head coaches not understand that what they are trying to do when you're ahead in the fourth quarter is to run the clock down? Do they not understand? And I get when people say, oh, well, if we'd got the first down, you know, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah, but you didn't. And if you'd run the ball, you might have got the first down. And here's the thing. If you'd run the ball and you didn't get the first down, you'd still be in a better position than you are now. So mm-hmm. stop doing it. Uh, oh, it drives me absolutely wild. And I, I, I hate, I hate that teams only do this against Tom Brady. Why do they do it? Yeah, and just a, a look. There's a little this. extra stat, a little extra stat about Tom Brady as well. Just to emphasize your point that they do it against all teams do this against Brady. That was his forty fourth career fourth quarter comeback. And yeah, and here's the thing: I saw, I saw uh, on, I think it was an NFL.com, and it was like, oh, vintage Brady wins, you know, uh, against the Saints or wins for the Buccaneers. I can't remember how it was, how it was worded. Vintage Brady. I was like, no. Tom Brady did not win this game. No, the, the Saints, Saints lost literally the Saints. threw this game away and handed it to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady should never have been in a position to win this game. But this happens time and time and time again. And I just cannot wait until this man retires. I, I pray he retires tomorrow. I, abs- mm-hmm. I just cannot wait. The day Tom Brady announces his retirement properly and not come back like a person that he is properly retired and just never play again i cannot wait because it does my head in and this is why people call him the goat this is why oh brady did it again no he didn't no, <laughs> no he didn't brady was garbage in this game and he anyone was. who says otherwise didn't watch the game he was garbage in this game and the saints handed it to him and then all of a sudden on those last two drives, they started playing prevent defense. Of course. That's what, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, of course again. How many times do I have to say this? And I know it's not just me that says that. I know loads of people say it. But how many times do I have to say this before teams stop playing prevent defense when you're up by, you know, one score with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Stop for three, doing yeah. it. For three and a half quarters... They, they kept them to three points for the entire game. Yep. What, what, what got you there? What got you to that point where you've only conceded one field goal? Keep doing it. Stop. Why would you change it to something that you know you're, you're going up against the person that thrives on short throws, short slants, short outs, and that's what he does again and again, and it'll go first down, first down, first down. So if anyone, if there's anybody who has any affiliation with any NFL team whatsoever listening right now, stop playing prevent defense against Tom Brady. It's never worked. It never will. 
All right. So just just stop doing it. Okay. The only reason the only reason he has all these. 40, 44, is that what you said? 44 comebacks? 44, yeah. 44. It's because teams keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over again. The first time that a team played this against Tom Brady and lost, no other team should ever have done it again. And I don't know why teams do it. And it's not that they just do it against Tom Brady. It's just that they seem to do it all the time against Tom Brady. Every team does it against Tom Brady. But they, they also do to other teams. And I just look at it and go, I, I mean, I said this about the Broncos a couple of weeks ago where um, I can't remember which game it was. And all of a sudden they went to a prevent defense in, in five minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Give up a touchdown. Oh, you've said it more than once this season. Yeah, I know. I've said it more the than Broncos. once. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it was, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. So stop doing it. I mean, if, if I can see this, Right. Someone who's got literally zero experience of playing or coaching American football at any level. Never done it and never will do it. It's never going to happen. If I know that the prevent defense doesn't work, why do coaches not know this? Why do people get paid millions of dollars not know to not do this. It's just so frustrating. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm going to hand it over to you because I'm starting to talk about more about Brady than I did about the Broncos. Oh, this was awful. I, I was just thinking that. You've ranted more about Brady than the Broncos this week, which is almost yeah, almost unheard of. But yeah, uh, you've, you've said everything that needs to be said about it, to be honest. Uh, Brady, some it's to me anyway, it's the worst division in the entire league is the NFC South and Brady's just basically is lucking his way through the league this year and they're going to end up being the fourth seeds in the NFC oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're going to win this division yep home field advantage all the way and the Saints defense are probably in a similar position as the Broncos they've got a really good defense the offense letting them down but i think the play calls now are the worry for the saints and yeah they they, they're starting to turn into a kind of diluted down version of the broncos i'm afraid to say so um somehow the buccaneers are (laughs) i don't know how they won this game I, i couldn't believe it when i was watching it again watched it disappointed again but tom brady just he get he gets the run of he gets the run of the ball quite literally in this case and all the time all the time. I was All really impressed. With, I, I was really impressed by the pick, though. He was picked off as well. A dodgy throw from Brady, and that that was he, he didn't. It wasn't great throws. He made his receivers work for a lot of their throws as well. For mm-hmm. the for, he got thirty six completions, but somehow I don't know how. Because they were, somehow all, they they were come, one yard passes. Well, yeah, there was a lot of checkdowns oh by my Brady. Word. A lot this of might have been this might have been the most checkdowns he's ever thrown. It seemed yeah. like every pass was like one or two yards. That's what it yes. looked like. And you're just going, he, oh my god! But then when you're playing prevent defense, that'll kill you. Yes, but the reason he was doing that was because the the defense line were getting to him. He was he was just desperate not to go down. He does not want to get hit whatsoever. He would rather throw it away or throw it into the dirt to stop the sack he's he's paranoid about getting hit i think they got to him once uh eventually and he 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 had no choice but to go down but um yeah that was the only thing that 
I really noticed from Brady, apart from in the fourth quarter when he was, you know, just doing his usual Tom Brady things and making short, quick throws like you would expect. And the prevent defense, they were get, they were giving the receivers 10 yards every single play but in yeah. that prevent defense. And, and, you, and you don't yeah. do that. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, the Buccaneers on those final two drives didn't change anything in their offense. Correct. They ran plays that they'd already run. Yeah, they, they ran the, the exact game. same offense, the same plays that they'd run all game long. And the only difference was that the Saints changed their defense. And I, oh, oh, do you know, I can't talk about it anymore. I can't. No. Between, the, between yeah. the Broncos and, and Tom Brady, I'm, I'm exhausted. And the Seahawks. And the Seahawks. God, <laughs> don't forget, don't forget Pete Carroll. I'm exhausted, honestly. This I, this league will be the death of me. We've only been doing this podcast for about uh, what's that nine months now, and I'm I've aged ten years doing, <laughs> doing it. So, Dave, that uh, is the end of our week thirteen recap. Coming up, we're going to have our week fourteen. Is this? Am I getting this right? Yeah, week fourteen. Yeah, week fourteen. My God, week fourteen preview, uh, rapid fire preview, and then of course we will have random stats, and we'll catch you uh, just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Dave Somerville, and we have now got our Week 14 Rapid Fire Preview coming up, and we start with a Thursday night football. Sorry, Dave. It's the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders at the Los Angeles Rams. But guess what? I've got the Rams sneaking a win. And a low-scoring affair. I've got them taking this one 16-13. to 13. Do you know what? I, I was so tempted to go for a Rams win. A potential debut for Baker Mayfield after we claimed him off waivers. But I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I've got the Raiders winning by 24 points to 20. We then have the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've got the Bengals taking care of business here. Um, I certainly hope they do. I've got them winning this one by a score of 35 to 20. Oh, we're, we're very opposite thinking. I think the Browns run game is going to pretty much do the job against the Bengals going to run the clock I've got the Browns actually winning this by 20 points to 17 <gasps> interesting mm. uh, we then have the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants <sighs> I can't see the Giants winning this one at all I'm afraid I've got the Eagles winning this one comfortably by a score of 28 to 10 excuse me I've, I've got the Giants seen us out I think they're going to uh, put the up. Eagles to the sword I do indeed I've I've got the Giants winning by 20 points to 19. I think the e I think the Eagles are going to just slightly fall short against uh, the Giants that just scrape out these scrappy wins. We then have the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Now the Jets and the Bills are always very difficult to pick. Mm. Um, but I'm taking the Bills at home in this one. I've got it again very close. I've got a 20 to 17 to Buffalo. Yeah, kind of similar thinking. I've got the Bills winning, but it's going to be a close game. I've got the uh, Bills winning by 24 points to 21. We then have the Houston Texans at the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, similar to the Eagles-Giants game, I don't see any way the Texans win this, particularly in Jerry World. So I've got the Cowboys winning this one by a score of 38 to 19. Oh, we're so close in the scores as well. But you've got, th I've got, I've got 38 points for the Cowboys as well. 
but I've got nine points for the Texans. I just think three field goals. I don't see Cal Allen getting into the end zone whatsoever. We then have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans, and I've got an upset on the cards here. I reckon the Jaguars go into Tennessee and come away with a win, albeit a very close one. I've got a 27-26. Well, I have the Titans winning, but uh, going to overtime. So I think it's going to be 17 points apiece with Derrick Henry taking uh, taking care of business in overtime to win 23-17. Speaking of overtime, the next one we have is the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got this one going into overtime with the Ravens coming away with a 20-17 win in overtime via Justin Tucker's foot. I have the Steelers winning in normal time. I think uh, Lamarless Ravens are going to be awful. And I think the Steelers are going to get it done. I've got them winning by 20 points to 12. We then have the Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. And this is our pick for the upset of the week. I've got the Lions winning this one in a shootout. And I can't remember what the score I picked was. <laughs> so I'm going to see 38-35 to the Detroit Lions. Well, do you know what? In the last week... The bookies have made the Lions the favourites in this one because of how... Yeah, absolutely. The Lions are the favourites going into this one. And do you know what? I'm going to back them because I think the Lions are going to win this. I think it's going to be close, though. I think it's going to be 31 points to 30 for the Lions. I think they're just... Goff is going to have another game of his life and Kirk Cousins is going to fail. We then have the Miami Dolphins at the Los Angeles Chargers. Guess what, Dave? I've got the Dolphins losing another one. I've got the Chargers Ooh. sneaking this one. Sneaking this one. Another high-scoring game for me. I've got a 34-33 to the Chargers. I think Dolphins get back. I think the Dolphins get back on to uh, winning, uh, basically just uh, annihilating the Chargers. I've got them winning by 34 points to 20, I'm afraid. We then have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. And as long as they don't play prevent defense, I've got the mm-hmm. 49ers winning this one. And I think they actually win it fairly handily. I've got them winning this one by a score of 23-16. to 16. Well, I've got the 49ers winning. But I've got them winning by two points in a very low scoring match. I think it's going to be 15 points to 13 for the 49ers. Very low scoring. We then have the uh, Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. And we've got the Seahawks here at home. I've got the Seahawks winning this one. Um, I don't think Carolina's going to be able to do anything offensively. So I've got the Seahawks actually winning this one by a score of 21 to 6. Ooh, I've got the Seahawks winning as well. But I think it's it's still going to be a bit uh, a lot more clinical. Got them winning 27 points to 13. We then have the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> at the Denver Broncos. The Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Right, so I've got the Chiefs win this one, obviously. Mm. Uh, and I think for the first time this year, the Broncos defense is going to be outmatched, outclassed in every facet of the game. And I've got the Chiefs winning this one 42 to 9. Wow, I, I, I've got, you'll be surprised to hear, I've got a slightly closer game. Now, I've got the Chiefs winning. I am surprised. I think the Broncos will score 16 points. <laughs> we'll be lucky. <laughs> and I think the Chiefs will score 
17 points. Oh, what? 17? I think you've got that much defense, faith in the defense. I think your defense are going to just hold Mahomes to just enough that it's going to be really close. The Broncos will go down the field and then someone's going to fumble it. Well, Melvin Gordon's not there anymore, so it won't be him, but yeah, you might be right. Okay, and then we come to the Monday night game, which is the New England Patriots at the Arizona Cardinals. And I've got the Patriots sneaking this one away uh, against Arizona. I say sneaking, it's actually a seven-point win I've got for the Patriots in this one, with a 28-21 win. Well, it's. I think it's going to be a very close game, but I, th- I think that Bill Belichick is going to do Bill Belichick things. So I've got them winning by 20 points to 14. And that wraps up a rapid-fire Week 14 preview. Enjoyed that, Dave. That was a good one. Ah. Right, so uh, we come to random stats. This is our next... Uh, oh, hang on. I didn't do that properly. Good Lord. Well, let's, let me oh, oh God. So, Dave, uh, we've got time for one more segment. And it is, Your of favorite course... favourite one? It is, of course... Random stats. So, Dave, uh, I believe I went first last week. Would you like to go first this week for your random stat? Well, I've got a very short one, and it is, of course, a scoregami. So we pretty much know what scoreline was one of the most unique one in the week this week. And it was, of course, the Dallas Cowboys as they took care of business in that fourth quarter by 54 points to 19. Mm. And it is a scoregami. It's never been done in the NFL that that scoreline has happened. And... It is the 1,074th unique final score in NFL history. There's one for stat for statisticians across the world. The most unique, it's a 1,074th unique final score in the NFL history, and that Cowboys defense was incredible. The only other thing uh, that happened in that match, one person placed a bet on C.D. Lamb scoring the first touchdown in the game. And the, the stake that he bet, $97,000. Good God. He bet on C.D. Lamb to get the first touchdown in the game, and C.D. Lamb did not disappoint. The final payout, $778,000 in that game. Incredible. And if you've got that amount of money to put on a bet, well, that it's going to be pennies, basically. He's, just, he's, he's a millionaire. Uh, how how he even had that amount is just ridiculous. But yeah, a score gammy, a big score for a, for a, a fan as well of CD Lamb. But yeah, one thousand and seventy fourth unique scoreline in the NFL, and that is my random stat. There you go. We do like a score gammy. We do. We, we do. love a score gammy. That's good. Okay, my uh, random stat concerns um, well stats. I suppose you would say, and records. Um, So, obviously, with the evolution of the NFL in recent years, uh, particularly just in the last few years, uh, being the rules being more orientated to suit the offense, um, passing teams passing much more often, you're seeing a lot of um, players who are active much higher up in the, like, all-time stats, for, you know, 
passing and receiving and stuff like that. Not not necessarily hitting the all-time. Obviously, Tom Brady's at the top of the passing. Um, not necessarily reaching Jerry Rice levels and receiving, but um, just further down, you know, the top sort of 20, that a lot, lot of much more recent players and mm. current players are, are at the top of these offensive um, stats, offensive uh, record books, I should say. Now, given that teams are passing much more often than they used to, you would expect um, interceptions to go up. You, you just expect that, purely because teams pass an awful lot more than they ever used to before. Um, well, the averages would say that. Yeah, yeah. So the current leading interceptor um, in the NFL, in, like active players is Harrison Smith for Minnesota, right? spoke about him. Yes, indeed. And an excellent player. Harrison Mm -hmm. Smith is an excellent player. Now, the all-time leading interceptor is Paul Krause, who also played for Minnesota. He had 81 interceptions between 1964 and 1979. And at, at the top of this list, there's... Hall of Famers galore, uh, Emlyn Tunnell, Rod Woodson, Nitrain Lane, Charles Woodson, Ed Reed, Ronnie Lott, all these guys are up the top and they are all Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Harrison Smith is the current leading interceptor amongst all active players in the entire NFL. We started in 2012, we're now to 2022. He has 34 interceptions. That ranks him... 155th all time. Ooh. 155th all time. That's just weird. <laughs> I, I think it, go, it goes to show the standard. I think that I, I feel like the standard of quarterbacks and, you know, these kind of short, quick kind mm-hmm. of uh, throws, I think it really. Yeah, has put a dampener on the interception number. I think the other thing that affects it is because when you have a player who gets a few interceptions early in their career, teams just stop throwing at them. Mm, that's true. You know, and they're just like, I'm not throwing at this guy. Are you joking me? Why Why would I do that anymore? Uh, I mean, uh, well, one of the... Um, Champ Bailey. Yeah, well, Champ. yeah, Champy, Champy Lee, uh is like sort of the the guy that you go to when you think about a corner who just never got targeted for like a three year stretch. It was yes. Champy Lee? Teams just didn't throw it because they knew it was going to intercept it. And there's a reason that some of these players, guys like Champ Bailey, guys like um, Dion Sanders, don't have the interception numbers that you'd think they would have. Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh, Brian Dawkins yeah. was another one. He had 37 in his career. Um, but he most of them were early on in his career with the Eagles. And then teams just, just whatever side of the field he's on, just don't go there. You know, there's just no point in going there. And that's why you see some players with these... Now, now Brian Dawkins is in the Hall of Fame. He's only got 37 interceptions. Leroy Butler, another one. 38. So he's 93rd all time with interceptions. And it just goes to show you how when you'd think these players 
uh, interceptions would go up and up and up because of the amount of passes being thrown. It really is not the case. And that is my random stat. Really enjoyed that one. That it's a very kind of QB orientated one with the interceptions. I'm just I want I, wa- I want to tell you uh, g- give you a quick one. I'm I'm not eclipsing yours at all, but I want to tell you about uh, something that I found out that I was saving for the podcast. Now, oh, a, a quarter. It's, it's a quarterback one. So, in 2016, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy in college. Okay. Yes. Now, in 2018, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy in college. In 2019, Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy. Now, in 2022, one of the Heisman finalists is a quarterback by the name of Stetson Bennett. What now, a name. Is, yeah, it's a great first name, Stetson. Love it. Now, he, he is the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. Now, there's one thing that links all four of these quarterbacks. Do you, know, do you know what it is? One thing that links them all, other than the fact that probably all yeah, the, Heisman the, Trophy winners. Yes. Uh, well, Stetson Bennett is a candidate. Yeah, he's a finalist for it. But um, yes, there's one, one thing that links them all. No, no idea. Right now, they are all 25 years old. Lamar Jackson <laughs> won it Hang when, on, when he was 19. Yes, Lamar Jackson won it when he was 19. Stetson Bennett is still in college and he is 25 years old and hoping to get into the NFL. Wow. That's devotion for you. I, I mean... Well, I'm assuming I, he didn't go into college at, uh, at 16. Uh, he's not, it's not taking <laughs> nine years to graduate. No, no but... It's okay. I, well, I, I mean, for his, for, for his future, just, I hope not. <laughs> just, in, just in case... You know, yeah, it, it's like he comes also, out of college like this guy's got the greatest college stats of all time. He's thrown like forty thousand yards. How in God's name he played for nine years? All right, okay. Yeah, well, he <laughs> he started as a career walk on at Georgia, but then he transferred to Jones County Junior College, and then transferred back to Georgia this year, where he's just won a national championship. So it's yeah, it's a weird one, and he's twenty five years old. He was born October 28th, 1997, and he's nicknamed the Mailman because of his ability. His, his full name is Stetson Fleming Bennett IV. Stetson so not, Fleming Bennett the fourth. There's been three others. Three previously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's, he's one to watch. Um, he's most likely... He's been compared to Justin Field because he... he um, he was behind one Justin Fields um, at Georgia in his freshman year. So, you know, you can kind of understand why he wanted to transfer. But yeah, Lamar Jackson won it six years ago, age 19. That's ridiculous. Kyla Murray won it age 21. Joe Burrow was, well, he was older than, kind of, he was around the average, maybe slight above average when he entered, uh, or when he, when. He won the Heisman. Uh, I think he was age 20. But uh, Stetson Bennett... No, sorry, Joe Burrow's 23. Two, 22 when he won the Heisman. <laughs> My maths is just failing me at this point. But Stetson Bennett, age 25. The Heisman has not been decided yet, but he is a finalist, and he's 25 years old. Well, there you go. And there's an additional random stat. Oh, I do like that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird stat, but yeah. 
There we go. Weird stat. There you go. Well, there we go, and that wraps up this week's edition of the WinFL Show. Uh, Dave, thank you very much, especially for that bonus random start. I liked that. Yeah, always good to get a, Q- a good QB start. Certainly is. Um, and, of course, we will see you uh, next week. Of course, we'll be having uh, wrapping up week 14, and then we'll be doing a week 15 preview. That's insane. Uh, we're also hoping to have a very special guest on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, of course, we're going to be doing our... Um, uh, our own awards you know MVP and Offensive Player of the Year Rookie of the Year we'll be doing those towards the end of the season as well in the coming weeks um, it's we're into December December football this is when the division winners start to eke away from the other guys you know the leaders and we can get a good idea of the playoff picture also we cannot forget mentioning Stetson Bennett there the draft is not that far away now no, it's so we're not. going to have to start looking forward to that but there's still plenty of football to be played so Dave thanks again I really appreciate you stopping by love being here thanks so much for having me and we will catch all of you uh, on next week's edition of the WinFL show